Hello, and welcome to the Scriptures Are Real podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about elements of the scriptures that have made them become more real to us because we believe that helps us draw more power out of them, and we need all the help we can get. I'm your host, Carrie Mielstein, and I'm so excited to have with me today our, our guest. This is Gayla Marie Rosenberg, uh, who has been teaching in religious education as an adjunct teacher for I know a long time now. I mean, I, I don't want to make either of us sound too old, but uh, but for quite a while. And uh, I have enjoyed uh, her and her teachings there. And I've especially enjoyed a book that she came out with, I guess, about a year ago uh, now. It's called uh, Our Savior from Self-Doubt. We'll try and remember. I always say I'll put things in the notes and then more often than not, I forget. But uh, I will try and remember to put a link in the show notes, Our Savior from Self-Doubt. Uh, fantastic book. It's one that I want uh, uh, my children and many members of my ward and friends to to read. I think there's a lot of great stuff in there. So welcome, Gayla Marie. What else should we know about you? Thank you so much. It's a pleasure for me to be with you, Carrie. Um, let's see. I started teaching as a graduate student in 1990 and um, have been teaching part-time ever since. I, I took a break for a few years while my, when my daughters were really little and taught in the family sciences department and in the school of family life for a while. And then I went over to the department of church history and doctrine and have been there ever since. And so I taught um, living prophets for a while. And, but the course that I have taught the most and that I'm currently teaching is called the eternal family. Which is, one of the most important courses we have. I mean, this is this is the gospel in action, I believe. So uh, just a really important course. It's so important in understanding our relationship with God, about his plan, our relationships with each other, yeah. um, marriage, family, but, you know, all of our relationships, how we draw closer to the Lord and how we draw closer to each other for sure. And I have to say, the more I study the gospel, the more I realize that uh, relationships are a core, like the core element of the gospel. Our relationship with God, his son and each other are what the, the covenants and commandments and atonement are all about. So uh, I'm, I'm with you on that one. That's that's great stuff. So. Well, and I do have to say, I loved sitting in on your course and, and reading your material yeah. and especially the emphasis on on understanding love and, you know, that covenant love that we experience with God uh, and yeah. with each other that, that binds us together. So. Yeah, it's, it's good stuff, yeah. isn't it? Just good, yeah. clean fun. That's what we do here is just have good, clean fun. So. That's awesome. Well, uh, I know that uh, there we're not going to try and cover everything. I mean, first uh, Corinthians eight through 13 has an insane amount of stuff. No one is going to cover all of the good stuff in there and uh, uh, this week's reading that's just too much good stuff so why don't you take us where you'd like to emphasize and and the parts that have become really real for you okay well as you mentioned you know in these epistles paul is answering all these questions that people are are asking him and so it's, it feels like a smorgasbord of ideas and thoughts that he has given um but I would like to highlight three principles that I think are really unique and important um, that are brought out in these chapters, and that is of unity, of spiritual gifts, and of charity. Mm. And I want to, to start by just looking at what it says in the Come, Follow Me 
uh, manual, I think they have an excellent paragraph here on really what is happening, that Corinth is filled with this diverse group of people um, being a wealthy trade center with different cultures, different religions, all these people coming in. Um, church members are struggling with unity. Paul is trying to answer them on what they can do um, to become a more unified body of saints. Um, but I like what it says here. This unity was to be more than just peaceful coexistence. Paul wasn't asking them merely to tolerate each other's differences. Rather, he taught that when you join the church of Jesus Christ, you're baptized into one body. Every body part is needed. And, and we'll talk about that in a second. He said differences are, are, are not just acknowledged, but cherished. That unity was not sameness. It says you need your fellow saints and your fellow saints need you. I'm, I like how it starts right there because, I mean, it's emphasizing such an important part, an important point that Paul is trying to bring out in all these chapters, that the people must be unified. And one of the really important points that he makes in 1 Corinthians 10, chapter 10, verse 16, he says, the cup of blessing, which we bless, is not the communion of the blood of Christ. Is it not the, the bread which we break? Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? I mean, here he is bringing out the sacrament. The sacrament is one of those means that helps us to become unified mm -hmm. with the Lord. But then in this next verse, Paul says, For we being many are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. And in the Come Follow Me manual, I love this paragraph that they put in here on 1 Corinthians 10. It says, the sacrament unifies us as members of Christ's church. Although the sacrament involves a personal commitment between you and the Lord, it also is an experience you share with others. We almost always partake of the sacrament together as a body of saints. Yeah. Don't you love that part? I think that that was such a, a beautiful thought that they added to this week's lesson, because often we look at the sacrament and we are very focused on what the sacrament does for us individually and personally. And we should, and it yeah. does. Yeah. But what we don't consider and an important teaching that I think Paul is bringing out here is the sacrament is also a time where we come together to be at one with the saints as a community yes. of saints, as one body of Christ. And, and that is super significant because we know that our, our progression is relational. We need each other. We learn yes. and grow together. And when we look at what happened with the apostles when they met with the Last Supper, he didn't go to each one of them individually, separately, alone, and say, let's partake together. He brought them all together as one group of apostles to break bread and share that experience together. Yeah, when and then he would go our, on to teach that... Uh... They needed to be one with him, with the Holy Ghost, with the Father, and with each other, right? I mean, in that same setting, it was, it just all flowed together. Yes. 
Um, one of the, I, I mean, it's hard for, for me to even think of, you know, how the Savior taught this, um, this importance of unity and being at one with going back to John 13, when he, he's washing the feet of the apostles and he's washing the feet of Peter. And then Peter, as if Peter felt unworthy or thought that he ought to be the one washing the Savior's feet right. and says, you know, Jesus, um, Peter saith unto him, thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. And I think that is such an interesting sentence there. And I have to show you a picture for those who are just listening. I'll, I'll explain this, but this is um, one of the great paintings in the Prado Museum in Spain. Can you see that corner right there where Jesus is washing the feet of Peter? Yeah. And his arm is outstretched. Oh, good. The Savior yeah. is pointing to his feet. Peter is raising up his hand as if all of a sudden it finally dawns on him what the Savior meant. You have to partake of my service. You have to partake of my gift if you want to become at one with me. My mm. ultimate gift, my ultimate service to become unified, connected, at one with me, refined like me. Uh, and then, of course, Peter says, oh, that's what you meant. I get it. If that's the case, Peter says, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. As if here is this really poignant moment when Peter is understanding this incredible and important essential aspect of unity, becoming at one with the Lord, accepting his gift, accepting his service. Um, I always think of these two words, alone and atone. Mm. They both have the same root word, one, mm. but have a stark contrast in meaning. Um, alone being um, isolated, to have no help, to have no one present. We're atone, to be united reconciled, unified, connected. Um, and that's the good news of the atonement, right? Right. That we're not alone. That he uh, makes the progression possible. And I think that is one of the, the really beautiful points of the gospel is through the atonement. The atonement makes our unity possible to become at one. So beautifully said, so beautifully said. And I think it's, it's. Uh, I mean, I love what you're pointing out here in chapter 10. And I think you're right that often we don't think through the the covenant community aspect of that covenant renewal. Uh, and, and I mean, in a way we get it, we know the covenant is about loving God and loving each other. And it's in, you know, Mosiah when 18, when we talk about what will be as witnesses of God, but we'll also bear each other's burdens. And so we, we kind of know it, but I think most of us, when we partake of the sacrament, we focus almost exclusively, if not exclusively, on Christ forgiving us in our relationship with Christ. And I'm glad we're doing that. That is incredibly important, and it does begin there, for, for sure. There, I mean, we don't want to take that away. Uh, that's that's the central core element. But you're right. We do it together, and we're renewing all of our covenants and so we are renewing not only our relationship with God, which is made more perfect through Christ and his atoning sacrifice, which we're commemorating there, 
but our relationship with each other, which also is made more perfect because of Christ's atoning sacrifice. And that will tie into what I'm sure we're going to talk about in a little while, as you mentioned, we'd get into charity. But uh, all of that is possible because of what Christ went through. And I think it behooves us to think about each other as well while we're there and and to pray for each other uh, during that sacrament cup as well as we're praying for ourselves. And I can uh, I can still remember the first time where I was, uh, you know, I, I've often prayed for myself. And then as I had children praying for my children also during the sacrament. And when I started just feeling this desire, I, there are so many people here who need to be healed. Please heal everyone here and help. Right. And that's uh, I mean, I'm I'm still slow at that. But I think that's the direction. Uh, well, we need to move both in that vertical and that horizontal direction. Right. Uh, so I love that you brought that out. And and I think it fits in so well with in almost every epistle. Paul has something about this. OK, you're, you're too you're, you're not integrated enough. You're too fragmented. You're not unified enough. And he has uh, all these different uh, analogies. But I think this is one of the most effective ones that, that he uses here that, you know, we're we're just different parts of the body. But this is a drum that Paul is always beating. You have yeah. to, to to become one or as it says in the Doctrine and Covenants, if you're not one, you're not mine. Yes. Um there an interesting article I read a while ago entitled why the church is as true as the gospel. Hmm. By that's, Jean that's a great, yeah, that's a great title. And, <laughs> um, and he talks about how the great plan of happiness and salvation have these principles, doctrine of Christ that are pure and flawless, the same yesterday, today, and forever. But this organizational structure we have here in mortality called the church he says it's full of all these imperfect people yeah but this but all of us who gather together who are imperfect have this means of putting all these gospel principles into practice with one another patience kindness tolerance forgiveness charity we put all of these into practice with one another to learn and grow together, to go through this refining process with each other, for each other, to love for Christ, with Christ, um, in behalf of Christ. I mean, in, we join together to do that. Um, one, of, one of my favorite quotes by psychologist Brene Brown. Mm, I like her. Yeah, she has some interesting things to say. She says, one of the greatest barriers to connection is the cultural importance we place on going it alone. Somehow Mm. we've come to equate success with not needing anyone. Many of us are willing to extend a helping hand, but we're very reluctant to reach out for help when we need it ourselves. It's It's as if we've divided the world into those who offer help and those who need help. The truth is that we are both. The heart of spirituality is connection. When we believe in this inextricable connection, we don't feel alone. I love that. Yes. We look at the heart of our spirituality's connection, connection with God, connection with other, with others, how he makes that possible to be connected, unified, bound, tied to him, and our covenants with him, yeah. our covenants with each other. I mean, that's the whole essence of covenants, isn't it? Yes. Connection. Yes. Connection that binds us here, but binds us for the eternities. 
but binds us together in this refining process to become like him, to become like God, that we need each other. We need to learn and grow with each other. We, there's so much goodness, talent and strength around us for us to learn from and that we need to rely on ours as well. Yes. Yeah. But, but so often, and this goes right back to what Brene Brown was saying that so often we feel like we have to do it all rather than rely on others and say, okay, they they can do that. Let's let them do that. And I'll do this. Uh, And we, we struggle with that. In fact, I would say most uh, organizations have been a part of it in any way when they have problems, it's usually or when individuals within it are having problems or the group as a whole or whatever, it's usually because we or someone or a number of people are thinking of ourselves, right? If we could just get in our head, it's not about, it's not about me. It is about us, but it's not about me. Right. Mm. And forget the, uh, how does this affect me? Or what about me? Or what will people think of me? Or how do I get ahead? Uh, And think of how do we, progress how do how do the does the us go somewhere and i think that again that's what paul is trying to talk about forget about yourself and saying well i'm i'm the i and i don't need the the nose Mm -hmm. and so i'm uh, you know uh, just forget about that and say how do we function as an organism as a whole uh and what that takes the the love of god and of each other that that paul is teaching about here and isn't that I mean, for me, it's heartbreaking. And if you're like me, you have some family members who, who have chosen to go it alone now yeah, yeah. <laughs> to separate, to disconnect themselves from God, to disconnect themselves from the church in doing so in thinking that I'm fine by myself. I can go it alone. I can do it alone. I don't need anybody. I'm fine on my own. And then they struggle feeling lonely, feeling isolated, cutting off, not just, you know, the relationship with God through their own personal habits, but often what they don't think about is that connection of going to church every Sunday and hearing other members bear testimony, talk about how they're overcoming struggles, talk about what's helpful for them when life is hard. Um, or disconnecting from family relationships and hearing that kind of testimony and faith and connection or just activities where they meet more people and have fun and enjoy each other. I I mean, there's just so much of our religious experience that is found in interacting and gathering together. And through that gathering, there's so much strengthening that happens and and it's obviously it's meant to be that way, as he says in you know this great section in uh, let's see the very I mean in, in chapter eleven he continues to talk a lot more about the sacrament, but in in chapter twelve as you're talking about that. We're all a part of this body of Christ. Chapter 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, all the members of that one body being many are one body so also in Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body. 14. For the body is not one member 
but many. Verse 20, but now are they many members, but yet one body. The eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. But I thought, I think 25 and 26 are, are super interesting, where it says that there should be no schism in that body and that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Know ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Um, this sense of being tied, connected, mourning with those that mourn, rejoicing with those who rejoice. It's not a solitary experience. Not what we believe, certainly not what Paul is teaching. Everybody's important. Everybody's yeah. important in contributing to the whole in a church, in a church family, in a family unit, in a, uh, the whole church as a whole. Um, everybody contributes in unique and powerful and important ways. Yeah. And that's the part we need to remember. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. Again, it's not about me. It's It's about how we help each other yeah yeah, yeah I, I, it's beautifully said and i i love this that this is i think one of paul's most effective uh metaphors uh that where he just helps us understand yeah. how silly we are and really it is silly when we start comparing well i you know they don't do this or i don't do that or i i why would i need to uh, turn to them or anything it's just as stupid as the eye or the head saying, I, I don't need feet. Let's get rid of it. I mean, who really would say that? Who who would say that about any part of their body, right? They're all pretty handy. And in fact, I'd like yeah. an, another set of hands quite often. Um, so uh, it's, I, I think he does a remarkable job of helping us see how childish we are really yeah. when we get into those comparison games. And now it's natural. And in fact, um, as you were thinking about uh, or as you were talking about um, the the church, you know, and, and the idea that the, the church is true and the gospel is true. Right. I, I mean, the church is d divinely led. Yet yeah. it's full of fallen mortal individuals. And that as as I thought that that's the thought that came to me as you were talking. And I thought, huh, turns out. I have uh, a divine element in me, and yet I'm a, a fallen mortal individual as well. And so uh, no surprise that the, the church is uh, in a similar way. And um, if we can just remember the divinity within each person as we also interact with each other and have this wonderful practice, practice ground of uh, trying to love a whole bunch of fallen individuals, uh, and yeah. at the same time, learn from a whole bunch of fallen individuals and then let Christ make up for all the differences. Yeah. That's a that's a great place to be. Yes. So important. Too often we just forget that progression is relational. We have got to yeah. share with others and we have to learn with others. We mm -hmm. just have to come together. I think that's how. How Christ meant for us to go through this refining process is to be connected and help one another in this refining process that sometimes yeah. feels so hard and difficult. 
Yeah. Well, and uh, I mean, again, this goes back to the class you teach. Uh, and so yeah. you can correct me. You've taught this class more than I have. I've only taught it a few times when it's before it was what it is now. But uh, so you correct me if, if I'm wrong on this. But I, there, I often think, you know, families are both like the best and the worst kind of a unit to be put into in mortality until you stop worrying about the, the worst part and just focus on the best part. And then it becomes just I mean, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy or without problems, but it just becomes so wonderful, right? But it, it, it's having that difficult part of the family that makes it the best kind of a thing to be part of. And then that's true of a ward as well and of a stake yes. as well and, and a neighborhood and a community. Uh, so it starts with a family, but that principle is true with uh, every group we're part of. I remember when my daughter was what giving me a hard time in high school and <clears throat> I was talking to my husband about everything that bothered me, you know, and, and, um, and I caught myself, you know, in the middle of talking saying, what am I doing? You know, there's so much joy that I find in her yeah. that I am, that she has blessed my life and I'm so blessed to learn and grow with her. And here are all the ways that I have found joy in her. And here are all the ways that I have learned from her. And um, it helped me to, to change my focus instead yeah. of what she wasn't to look at everything she was and um, to appreciate that and appreciate the joy and progress and, and what, what happiness that brought into my life in the process. Of, of growing together and you know we all we all learn that over and over again don't we <laughs> yeah we do and it's that that focus on remembering uh the love we have for others and they have for us rather than and i mean marriage is as true as the yeah. fam the whole family units in marriage right it's it, even when you're madly in love with someone and, and just so happy to be with them there are these little things that kind of bother you or you didn't like how they treated you here and it's easy to start to focus on that rather than oh you know what i just really love that person and how miserable i'd be without them and so on it yeah. kind of reminds me if i can just share this this story real quickly uh because it's really affected me this is a story uh from my my parents-in-law my wife's parents who are just amazing people and i guess early in their marriage i mean both my mother-in-law and my father-in-law are just incredible people but Early in their marriage, there were a couple of things that, that my mother-in-law apparently would like my father-in-law to change or do differently. And she was trying to figure out a good, healthy way to bring this up. And someone had given her this idea. So for their family home evening one night, she said, let's just both um, kind of spend just a second on our own. Here's a paper and pencil and just kind of write down some of the things that, that you think that the other one could improve on or could do better on. And then we'll, we'll agree to help each other with these things. And so she wrote down her list and that's a very tactful, wonderful way to do it. Right. She wrote down her list and, you know, they took five or 10 minutes or however long it was. And then they came back and she said, okay, you go first. And he said, well, I just thought and thought and thought, and I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> and she said, she looked at her list and suddenly she didn't care about any of that at all. It didn't matter to her when he saw the way she saw him. She didn't care about any of those little things anymore. They didn't matter at all. And I thought that's, that's a powerful lesson. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Switching her focus to all the all things that brought her joy in her marriage instead of 
yeah. all the annoyances, right? Yeah. And when, and it really is true. When you see someone who just loves you to death, you're like, yeah, whatever yeah. else. I can overlook everything else if yes. they love me like that. I can forget about everything if they, but when we don't focus on that, then, then mm-hmm. we can find all sorts of stuff. So true. Well, another thing that I really like about this same chapter um, in chapter 12 is the very first verse. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. In verse four, now there were diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Um, it seems like this is a this is a great um, way to start this whole discussion on being of one body, yeah. one body of Christ. Because one of the things that it seems like Paul is trying to emphasize is, let's remember all the gifts that everyone has been given. The gifts don't have to be the same. Every gift contributes to the whole. Every gift contributes to the community, the body of saints. And um, Elder Ashton, I've always loved this quote where he talks about, you know, sometimes we see gifts and it's very, very easy for us to focus on visual gifts that other people have yeah. Yeah. and compare and our weaknesses to, to their strengths. Yeah. And, um, but he says, what about all the, the gifts, the spiritual gifts that aren't so visual, that aren't yes. recognized, that we don't look at as often and that maybe we should, that contribute to all of us. He says, among these may be your gifts, gifts not so evident, but nevertheless real and valuable. The gift of asking, the gift of listening, the gift of hearing and using a still small voice, the gift of being able to weep, the gift of avoiding contention, the gift of being agreeable, the gift of avoiding vain repetition, the gift of seeking that which is righteous, the gift of not passing judgment, gift of looking to God for guidance, the gift of being a disciple, the gift of caring for others, the gift of being able to ponder, the gift of offering prayer, the gift of bearing a mighty testimony, and the gift of receiving the Holy Ghost. You know, many gifts from God are unseen. And I love that because I think, you know, everybody has gifts that they offer and contribute that bless one another. They bless all of us um, to learn and grow and understand how to become a little bit more refined, a little bit more like Christ each day. And then he ends the chapter with, but covet earnestly the best gifts and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. And then opens up the whole next chapter and says, you know, talking about gifts. Well, all gifts contribute to everyone, but there's one that is the most important that all of us have to focus on. And that is charity, the pure love of Christ goes through, gives all these characteristics. And you know, this chapter that gets repeated, is this like one of the most repeated in all of the new Testament? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And in verse 12, now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, and then shall I know, even as also I am known by God. Well, I think that verse is particularly insightful because here he's just identified all these characteristics of charity. 
But then he puts in this verse. Now we see through a glass darkly. But during this time when Paul was writing this, um, he would have written this in Greek, I believe. And yeah. The Greek interpretation is that of the mirror. Yeah, I, I think this so, must have been written in Greek because he's trying to re- write to this city where, in a way that everyone can understand. And so that's mm-hmm. going to be the language that he would use. And it does say mirror. And so another way that we could read this verse is right now you see yourself unclearly like seeing a, like seeing a blurry reflection of yourself on polished brass because that's what they used for mirrors back then right? right polished brass to look in but polished brass was a fuzzy it gave them a fuzzy image of themselves not a clear image of themselves you see only part of your true self now but when you see Christ face to face then shall you know yourself even as you are known by him and so is, as Paul is explaining this, I find it so interesting. He's putting in that verse and talking about this reflection in a mirror, seeing our own reflection right after he's described all these characteristics of charity. And it seems like he's giving us the, a key understanding of how to know ourselves as we are known by God. If we can recognize God's charity for us and, sh- and share charity with others, we begin to understand how God sees us. Good. When we understand Christ's pure love for us, we look at ourselves differently. When we share his charity with others, we achieve a refined character like his. When we look in the mirror and see a clear reflection of Christ in our countenance, it seems like charity becomes the mirror through which we see ourselves more clearly we understand god's love for us we learn how to share his love which helps us in this refining process to become like him that recognizing charity recognizing christ's charity sharing his charity with others makes that that reflection that we see of ourselves in god's eyes much more clear and refined so we can get a better perception of who we really are. Right. Uh, that's so, that's so powerful and beautiful. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, and, and I mean, even in these verses just before this, uh, where he's talking about, uh, you know, we know now we know in part. And so we mm-hmm. prophesy in part, like, you know, we, we don't know everything. So we can say some things that God wants us to say, and we can know some things about what's going to happen, but only, we only understand part of what's the, the truth of now and the truth of the future. Um, but one day we will know perfectly, right? Verse 10, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is partial will be done away. One day we really mm-hmm. will know. And he mm-hmm. compares that to, you know, being a child as opposed to a, an adult, and you can be done with the childish things when you're an adult. And that's when we get to this this verse you're focusing on, where he talks yeah. about through a glass or a mirror darkly. And I love that uh, that word for darkly in in Greek. Um, this uh, this is uh, hang on, I'm trying to find it in my Greek. Uh, it's anagmati. Uh, oh, so it's the word enigma is the really the English version of that. Uh, we we but what he's really trying to say, I think, is you see this brass that's been polished and you don't see yourself directly. You see yourself indirectly. It's a shadow or a shade of yourself. You can't fully see it. You can't 
truly understand you are an enigma to yourself because you can't see yourself properly. Um, and uh, you also aren't seeing others properly. And right. then, as you said, I think that the key then is God's love. If yes. you see yourself the way God sees you, yeah. then you'll feel differently about yourself. And then you're going to see others differently as well because you recognize how God feels about others. So I guess it kind of goes back to that story about my mother-in-law again, right? When she saw herself the way her husband saw her, it changed everything. Uh, and if we can see, I think too often we th think that God sees us as these terrible, flawed individuals with all these problems, and he's so unhappy with us. And I think it's probably a bit more like uh, when I was teaching my kids to ride a bike, and they're falling, and they're uh, all worried about it. And I don't, I'm not worried. They're going to, they're going to get this, right? I mean, sometimes, I'll admit sometimes as I was like trying to hold onto their bike and they weren't, they'd get afraid and stop. I'd say, why, why are you, why are you stopping? Don't stop. Right. And I get a little mm -hmm. uh, frustrated with that. That's my own uh, shortcomings, but, but I wasn't really worried. They're going to get it. I didn't expect them to get it the first try. I knew they were going to fall, right? That's part of the learning process. And if we yeah. trust that God sees us that way, yeah. then we can start to see ourselves more realistically and uh, each other more realistically. And it's all through that lens of charity. Yes. And it's so powerful. Um, when I think of, um, have you, have you read a Martin Buber's book, the eclipse of God? No, I haven't. Philosopher. Yeah, I'm really, familiar with him, but I haven't read that. Um, he says something that I think is, is really important. He says, faith is fostered more by how we experience God through a loving relationship with him than how we explain God through reason, logic, or science. And, and so he, he says, faith must speak of love. And I, I love that because when I look at the difference between, wait a minute, do I understand myself more clearly? Do I, do I see others more clearly when I experience a loving relationship, when I experience a loving relationship with God, it certainly helps me to understand him and my relationship yeah. with him and what he feels about me and what he thinks about me. I certainly see it more clearly. And, um, but because we can, there's so many details about religion. There's so many facts and history. I mean, there's just so much we could learn. But I love how he says faith is fostered most by recognizing how we experience the love and strength of the Lord, mm -hmm. of God. And so how do we experience his charity? One day I was taking John up to the airport. Uh, that's your husband. Minutes. Right. Yeah. My husband and we yeah. had we had a few minutes to talk and I was preparing a talk on the atonement and he looked at me and he said, Gayla Marie, I think that grace is is reflective and is experienced through Christ's charity. And they says, OK, I have to go by. <laughs> and he was off and I drove home from the airport and the entire time I was thinking about that sentence that it's experienced most profoundly through Christ's charity for me. And so I was thinking of these characteristics that Paul is talking about in first Corinthians and thinking, so how do I experience Christ's charity for me? 
Well, in verse four, he suffered for me, he's kind. Um, verse seven, he beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. As I was just thinking about how I personally had felt the love and strength of the Lord in the temple when I prayed, reading my scriptures, hearing his words, kneeling down by my bed, hearing thoughts and feeling his love while, I, while I'm praying about somebody, uh, listening to beautiful music, uh, listening to the words of Latter-day Prophets, having that confirmation that God loves me again. I mean, we, we can make our own list of, you know, and that's a great, great exercise for all of us, right? Or thought, you know, how, how have I experienced his love and strength in my life? How do I experience Christ's charity? And how does it help me understand who I am and what he would like me to become? How do I experience his charity in my life? For all of us to ask ourselves that question, I think we're not going to make a list of all the things we know. I think we're going to make a list more of the things we feel. Yes. When and how we feel them, right? Yeah. It comes back to that relationship that you've been talking about. And that is that is super powerful. That's super motivating. Because we don't know everything. None of us are going to know everything in this life. But... But we'll never forget what we felt and the powerful ways we have felt God's love for us and that we can anchor our lives on. I, when, we were, when we took a study abroad group last year uh, to Spain to walk the Camino de Santiago, one of, the, one of the students said, you know, I'm part of the LGBT community. I'm bisexual. I don't have all the answers I don't understand the church's positions on a lot of things. I don't have all the answers. But what I do know is that God loves me and I find incredible hope in him and I'm not willing to give up on the hope I feel. It's so powerful. That is so powerful. You're anchoring your experience in the church on Christ's charity, on the hope, the love that you feel through him. Keep anchoring your faith in him and, and everything's going to be okay. And, you know, in the process, keep learning everything you possibly can. But for, for all of us, it's, it's powerful for that to be our anchor. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. So good. So uh, I have a question for you that you weren't expecting. And so if we decide not to go here, then that's fine. But uh, what would you say? Because I agree so much with everything you're saying. Uh, what would you say for someone who's been struggling to feel God's love for a while? Because I, I know he does love everybody. Uh, there's no doubt. And as a parent, you you know, you don't have children you don't love. Whatever is going on with them, and even when they're uh, not being kind to you or whatever else, you, you still love them. Uh, but sometimes people struggle with feeling God's love. And that can be for a number of reasons for, uh, because of depression and chemical imbalances or because of the way other people have been treating you. That's often a reason you've had, uh, you know, 
parents or a spouse or children or whatever that haven't treated you correctly. There are all sorts of reasons people struggle to feel God's love. Sometimes it's just God's yeah. waiting for the right moment to help you feel it again. Uh, what What would you say to them? Oh, that is, that is such a, that is such a good question. Yeah. Um, especially since I have a daughter who struggles with depression, has had severe depression for, you know, a number of years. And um, when I have taken her to different, you know, appointments to visit with therapists, you know, one of the things that I heard consistently is, you know, it's, it's very difficult to feel spiritual feelings when you can't feel emotional feelings mm-hmm. the way that you want to, or the way that you, that, that we're wired to feel. <clears throat> and so um, I think, you know, the, probably the first thing that I would say is being patient with ourselves and being patient with, with our journey with, with God. Um, just because you don't have this dramatic experience, spiritual experience where you can write down in your journal and say, I felt the spirit so strong today when I was at sacrament meeting, maybe you went to sacrament meeting and had a headache the whole time and felt absolutely nothing. Mm. Or maybe you were wrestling a child the whole time. (laughs) Maybe you're wrestling a child the whole time. But looking back on, you know, experiences that, that we have had, for me to I, identify with my daughter and say, when have you felt hope and what has given you hope? When have you felt loved? What helps you to feel loved? And when I have asked her those questions, some of her thoughts have been just to be here just to stay with me, just to be with me, just to stay connected Mm. and be there for me. I can't describe how I feel God's love right now because I can't feel anything. But I know you're here with me and I know you're supporting me and I know I can count on you to be here with me. That matters. But yet looking back to really Paul's message in these chapters the unity and our ability to be there, to mourn with those that mourn, to strengthen those, to be part of that community of showing up for one another and being there for one another. Isn't that part of everything that we're talking about? Even if we can, they can put their finger on it or can't put their finger on it. Yes, I felt the love of the Lord, but I can feel your love by just being sitting here next to me and I know you're here for me and that counts and that matters, but look whose errand we're all on. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and our, our errand to, um, extend whatever love we can for the Lord to love for him and with him, you know, in those cases, whether somebody can put their finger on it or not and identify it um, for us to be there. I think that that certainly matters in a, 
oh gosh, a movie I saw a long time ago called Always. It's about a firefighter pilot and he dies and he comes back to, you know, haunt his girlfriend to never love mm. somebody else. And finally he realizes that, you know, he's doing the wrong thing and she needs to move on. And he says to her, just remember the only pain you take with you into the next life is the love that you withhold in this life. Mm. And I've always remembered that because I think gosh, we can just never go wrong if we will show up for someone, if we will be there for someone. Life is super messy. This mortal life is super messy. Thank heavens. After we die, we still have a lot of time to progress and be refined and choose Christ and join with him. And I mean, there's still so much time after in this refining process to become like him. But all the love that we can give right now is powerful. It matters. My, my mother in a care facility, she had a, ma a massive stroke, couldn't speak, didn't have any mobility on the right side of her body. And every time I went into the center, she was strolling with in her little electric wheelchair with, with one hand, three fingers. She had arthritis really bad, so she only had two fingers that worked. She did everything with these two fingers. And so she was strolling around in her little electric wheelchair. She'd go in and out of every room to welcome everybody into the center and to say hello to everybody. But the problem is, is she had zero speech that was recognizable. Mm. and so but it didn't matter to her she didn't care whether people could understand her or not she just wanted people to feel loved that's good and what i saw those five years that she was in that state what i saw was how powerful charity can be because my mother even though she was a, so, a super social person, the people could understand a thing she said, but they could feel her love. And not only was it touching for those people to feel welcomed, even though they couldn't understand her, but it was so refining for my mother. I saw how charity was so powerful in helping her to find happiness in the life that she had, as limited as it was. And um, in, in, it helped her to feel God's love for her. But I also saw how it helped her to share. As she tried to share his love, it became super refining for her as well to just feel joy in this process of recognizing and sharing Christ's charity. Whatever our life is like whatever our situation is, there is power in God's love in his ability to, to fill it and to share it. And in that process, we become so much more refined like him, I think. Uh, that's good. That's really, really good. And uh, I mean, I kind of wish, uh, I don't kind of, I definitely wish that when my kids were younger, I would have written down uh, or helped them write down the experiences they were having uh, where they felt God's love so they could read it later. And I think that's something yeah. that everyone should do at my age or whatever age. Um, 
And I think all the things you said is probably also a good idea, even when you're not feeling it, to just love and serve others. And and it may take a while. It's all in God's timing, but it will come back. But these are these are tough questions, uh, I think, uh, tough things that we go through sometimes. Yeah. Um, but but good stuff. I, I, if it's all right, I wanted to comment just on uh, another thing on this whole uh, through a glass darkly and, yeah. and knowing as we are known. And then uh, maybe just kind of uh, the relationship of this chapter with the chapter before it. But mm-hmm. um, I think it's likely, I mean, Paul certainly knows Genesis and Exodus, and he cites from them frequently, even in uh, Corinthians, he's, he assumes that they know this uh, story, and he he refers, in fact, in just a couple of chapters before this, he goes through a bit of the Exodus story and, and Mount Sinai and so on. Um, and that's interesting because, you know, God tells Moses that um, he will speak with others um, th- through darkness, basically, or or in, in a dark way, but with Moses face to face, and um, and I think because he'd just been going through that Exodus story, that as he gets to this part, that this is probably an oblique reference to that as well. Uh, this idea that um, we may not be able to completely see things correctly, but God has chosen some people who He shows the picture much more clearly. And uh, it's interesting because, in a way, Paul is probably referring to himself as he's writing and explaining this to them and and saying, yeah, I don't see as clearly as I'd like, but I have been chosen to see more clearly than most. And this is what I'm telling you. So please believe it and and listen to it. And so I, th- I think there's also a, a power in listening to what uh, our, our prophets and apostles are telling us. And that's probably one of the places where we'll come to understand the way God sees us. Well, it's not probably, it's definitely one of the places, right? If we were to just listen to president Nelson, who tells us, you know, our primary identities are to be a child of God, a child of the covenant and a disciple of Christ. If if that would sink deeply into all of us, then we would see each other and ourselves much more realistically, much more the way God sees us. I think. Mm, I love how you tied that back to Moses. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. 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 It's, it's beautiful stuff. And I, just, I think, here's oh, just sorry. Yeah, one, go ahead. Oh, here's just one more um, thought. This is by a medieval Christian thinker, author, Sabine Melcher Bonnet, hmm. who says all creation has its origin in the mirror of God. Hmm. And that is precisely because there is resemblance or like likeness that there is the possibility of knowing oneself. It is possible to know, to see ourselves clearly in God's mirror because we are his children made in his image and his reflection. To imitate his divine character is to reflect the heavenly light of our own divine nature instead of seeing ourselves through a glass darkly. I've always thought that was an interesting statement. Um, precisely because we are his children when we see him face to face we will be able to see in whose image we are made oh that's very good and i and i should encourage our our audience to uh you read some really beautiful stuff about this in your your book in fact uh i would say just go to say pages uh, 18 through 20 uh yeah. and you'll find some nice 
uh, things about this and some other things that I think are just really powerful. So I, I'd encourage everyone to do that. Um, and I guess I'll remind people also of the, the discussion we have with uh, Emily uh, Emily Adams, uh, uh, whose book, Divine Quietness, we, we brought up uh, and we discussed some of this hard to feel God's love stuff um, when we did. I think it was Luke chapter nine. So anyway, I'd encourage our, my audience to go back and review that as well. It might be helpful for you. Uh, I was also just uh, thinking maybe we could wrap up a little bit. Uh, maybe I'll just kind of present something and then you can say if you have anything else you'd like to add to it. But uh, where, where Paul's been talking in chapter 12 about seeking all of these different gifts, and, and he'll go on in chapter 14 uh, to echo some things that were in Romans, but same thing, like be, get gifts that are really supposed to help people and so on. Uh, it seems like 13 is the crux of that. Charity not only is a gift, but it's the gift that makes all the other gifts work correctly, right? And Moroni tells us we should pray for charities. It, it is a gift. It's something we pray for and ask for and uh and i mean yeah we, we have some stuff we have to do but it's really a gift from god to love to have our capacity to love increase and i think when we feel the spirit we usually feel more love for people than at any other point i think the spirit naturally does that in us but every other gift it, 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 we either can experience it or use it correctly if it's based in charity if it's based in a love for god and man so it's that again it's not about me I, uh, if God has, gives me anything, it's so that I can bless other people and build up his kingdom. And any other focus takes us away from that. I, I have to remember last year when we were doing uh, judges and I talked about Samson, I said, you know, he had the, the most, the most gifted of all the judges. And yet every time he used it, it was for himself. And he actually delivered Israel less than any other judge um, because he was not using that gift for charitable reasons, but rather for selfish reasons. And so uh, we need to make sure that charity is the thing that underlines and undergirds everything else we do. And then we'll do it for the right reason and in the right way, and God will make up the difference. But it, it, these gifts can actually turn to our undoing if uh, they're not based in charity, but they're based in selfishness. Mm. So true. I love that such a beautiful statement and when we look at everything that paul is trying to do to unify yeah the followers of christ and there's nothing that's more important that they do than try to share christ's love right to yes. recognize christ's charity to share his charity there's there's no characteristic or thing that they can do that is more powerful in unifying them as a body of saints, um, then really becoming charitable and, and really understanding this pure love of Christ, I think. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Powerful chapters. And I think we could have, I mean, really, we could have spent the an entire hour on just 10 or just mm -hmm. 13 and still not have done everything that could have been done. But, but hopefully... This has been helpful for our audience. I know it's been helpful for me. So thank you so much, Gayla Marie. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me to join you. Uh, it really is just good, clean fun. And and I hope it's been, uh, well, I'm sure it's been edifying for our audience. And I hope that they'll find someone that they can either share the principles or the podcast with, or at least uh, view differently and treat differently and serve differently 
because of uh, what we've talked about today and, and because of what I hope that they learn and feel and understand as they do the reading and especially uh, feel and understand from God. So thank you. And uh, we'll see you again soon on The Scriptures Are Real. Thank you so much.